Kane is in the building. <laughs> is getting nicer which means more events whether it's a wedding or a date liberty shirt co has you covered they're offering three shirts for 333 dollars now this may seem like a lot but this is essentially less money than what you would spend on gas in a month and the shirts will last a long time and don't forget to use promo code 3p at checkout to save 10 percent on all other orders that's promo code 3p at checkout you save 10 percent when you go to www libertyshirtco.com hello and welcome back to another 3p podcast episode this is season 5 episode 13 once again i'm your host josh ramos and joining me is my other co-host steven bonanzo and once again being called up from the bullpen to have starters minutes we got tj hamill tj welcome to the full-time rotation oh man i can i can feel the sixth man of the year at my fingertips you got my vote Sixth man of the year. Honestly, at this point, you might be most improved player of the year, getting those starters minutes. I don't think you're not even coming off the bench anymore at this rate. So, no, I, I'm, a, Steve, I'm a nightly, I'm a nightly. Stevie, Stevie might be uh, demoted to sixth man with the, with his lack of attendance, but we're grateful Stevie's back. We missed him last week. We're missing Alex tonight. No worries. We still have a great show planned. We're going to start off talking some baseball. And then we got some postseason uh, hockey push. NBA playoffs are starting this weekend. So we're going to dive into all of that. Like I said, baseball season's here. The long few months that we didn't really know what was going to happen. But the first week is finally under, uh, under the way. It could have gone a lot better for our Yankees. But there are definitely some positives. But we don't want to overreact because we want to keep in mind that there's still 156 games remaining. It's a very long season, very long postseason. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So Stevie, I'm gonna start from, I'm gonna start with you. It's been a while since we've heard your beautiful voice. What's the biggest takeaway that you've seen in this one week of the Yankees without overreact? Uh, well, I guess point blank, uh, the Yankees suck. <laughs> like, not I, a- like I said, without overreact. Well, I'm not really overreacting. I really don't think they're a good baseball team. I, I, okay, let's frame this a little better. Where could the team improve in one point? I know there's a lot of points that you can make, but give me one point. Would you say it's pitching, like starters, starters lasting longer, or would you say it's defense or hitting? What would you, what would you say? I, I would say them falling to an early deficit. So I guess it would be starting pitchers early in the game because really Cole and his first two starts – awful like first couple innings but then he settles in and then when he settles in he looks he doesn't look like the Garrett Cole we're paying all this money to but he looks somewhat of an ace same thing with Seve I thought Seve was phenomenal in his first true start back in like two years since his like um you know uh all, last all-star appearance um you know but he gave up that two-run shot to Verdugo um and then same thing, uh, Tyone fell early, but then he, right, did he fall? Yeah, he uh, allowed some early runs, but then he settled in. Uh, really nasty Nestor is the only one that 
just pitched a great game through and through. Um, and then hitting, like some guys like Rizzo's been so clutch. Judge has looked pretty good. But then a guy like Kyle Higashioka, which everyone was like, oh, my God, he looks so good in spring. Good thing we traded Gary Sanchez. Look at him. Dude's batting under 100. I could have told you that was going to happen because he's going against minor league pitchers, which, you know, not that he's a minor league player, but I don't think he's an everyday starter in the MLB. Um, and then guys like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you know, I, I like the addition still, but even in defensively, like he hasn't for supposed like for being a gold glove winner, the dude's made some errors in the field, or even if they haven't been counted as errors, he's bobbled some. So he's got to get his play, um, uh, tying that up a little bit, even like labor. I love labor. He looked good in spring and, you know, he's had a few clutch hits so far, but still doesn't look like the labor that we saw the first two years of his career and expect to. So listen, again, not to overreact, but I really, I don't think this is a good Yankees team. Um, I think we've seen much better ones in the past. Um, I think that Cashman and Boone think this team can win. I think they can win games, but I don't think they will go that far. And I think they'll kind of, I don't think they'll go 81 and 81, 500 exactly, but I don't think they're a, really a 95 plus one team. I think if anything, 90 wins is a max. That's where I'm cutting it off. So um, hopefully change. I know it's su- super early still. They've had a very tough schedule to begin with, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. So you can't really fault them at that. The fact that they're, um, what are they right now? Three and three right now. Uh, it's not awful, but like the Blue Jays look so damn good. That lineup is terrifying. The Red Sox pitching is not scary, but their lineup is terrifying. Like, so they're going to be facing a lot of tough lineups. And I don't know if our lineup can outlast a lot of these other teams' lineups. And that's what scares me the most. So then I just want to cut you off right there and say the Yankees have only allowed 20 runs in those games compared to the other teams in their division. The Rays have allowed 35 runs. The Blue Jays have allowed 31 runs. The Red Sox have allowed 26 runs. The Rays played the Orioles the first series. We're playing the Blue Jays right now, and they just played Oakland, who's not that good. We They traded everyone away. We're playing Toronto right now, and we're play, and we just played Boston. And the Yankees have allowed the fewest runs out of all those teams that you just mentioned. I really think you're discrediting our pitching staff as a whole our bullpen you didn't talk about because i know they're doing very good and that that is true but keep in mind of the shortened spring training these guys these starters aren't going the full outings yet wait until may 1st to overreact about garrett cole severino didn't hasn't started a game since 2019 montgomery in and out last year Tyone in and out last year. I I don't I think it's way too early to overreact about the pitching. I'm more concerned about the hitting right now. Judge, yes, he's got a nice looking average. He got his first RBI yesterday, and it was a it was a solo homer. Rizzo's been solid. I haven't heard Giancarlo Stanton's name much lately. Joey Gallo. He's got to wake up at some point. Josh Donaldson hasn't really looked like himself yet. 
So that is where I would be concerned because if everyone has been saying that with the shortened spring training that the hitters would benefit the most because it would take some time for all the pitchers to adjust, then why aren't our hitters scoring six, seven, eight runs a night? And why are the Yankees in these two or three nothing games? So I'll let you jump in again. Well, I'll say this with the whole Garrett Cole thing. I totally agree with you when you're hitting. Um, take and again the pitching like I said um, the bullpen's been lights out like they really have had a stellar season so far and knock on wood hopefully it stays like that Um, my thing with the pitching was too is like and then even with like Tyone and Seve like I don't like expect these guys to be pitching shutouts and going nine innings every time and I even at this point I don't expect Cole to be going nine innings but the thing with Cole what's frustrating me is that I considered his last three starts really huge games. The wild card game in Boston, which he got shelled and pretty much cost this game very early. It wasn't like he went deep and then, you know, we couldn't get anything going. And then he just got lit up late after tired. Like, no, like very early, they just attacked him and didn't stop. And then opening day against Boston. So not only is it opening day, new season. And last season was one to forget. And that was his redemption game against Boston opening day at Yankee stadium. And what does he do? He gets, you know, attacked early. And then now uh, yesterday, it's not only a redemption from the past two starts he's had as a Yankee, which he's, I mean, granted they won the opening day game. um, But now, now he has redemption for those two games against a Blue Jays team that we're going to see a lot, another key divisional game. Um, and then again, uh, yet again, he gets attacked early. Um, and it's just home runs ball. They're just taking him out of the park. And it's just, this is not the gear Cole I'm used to seeing because when we watched him in Houston, granted he was probably using the spider tech, we could not touch him. Most teams cannot touch him. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball. That's why the Yankees handed him a nine-year, $324 million contract. So the fact that he's not going long, all right, I get to shorten spring training and all that. But he's also not going like allowing just one run or pitching shutout. Like he's allowing three, four earned runs. And he's not really striking out that many batters. So then what it like, what are we doing with him? Kind of like what is he what? He's supposed to be our ace. Not only is he supposed to be our best pitcher, our ace, but we're paying him to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. And when he's allowing numerous home runs a game, a couple of runs a game early on, and he's not leading us into a good position to win the game, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I get very frustrated. And listen, I'm not trying to be like one of those Yankees fans where I'm going to turn and then, like, I, I love Garrett Cole, but I'm going to be honest, he's really – frustrating me because and i know it's not easy you know that's why i'm not a a pitcher in the mlb i know it's not easy but that's why he's getting paid this big money that's and he's proven that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball so i don't know what's not clicking for him but he's got to figure it out because like it's going to be a brutal schedule throughout this whole season and we need him to come up big not only for you know for almost every game but like especially the big games against the big teams against playoff teams and especially divisional games like we need him to really come up big um 
And just like we talked about with quarterbacks, they don't necessarily need us need the, uh, to win their team the game. They just can't lose it. And with Cole, as long as he keeps keep us in the game, that's fine. But he, lately it seems like he's been losing us the game before really the game even starts because he allows these runs so early on. And that's just my honest opinion. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't disagree with you more because this is a complete overreaction right now. If you watched his game yesterday and opening day, forget about last year. Last year's in the past. Opening day, he made a bad pitch to Devers that was taken for a homer, right? Also, yeah, he did. But he also walked so many batters because his command looked awful. It's opening day. Relax. But that was his bad pitch. And that was really the only offense from Boston until later in the game was that two-run shot. Yesterday, he allowed two homers to Vladdy. The first one, it shouldn't have been a homer to begin with. And then the other was a better hit by a better hitter, in all honesty. He had six strikeouts in five innings, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. It's he's making one or two bad pitches that hitters are capitalizing on, which is very fixable very early on. It's not like it's September and October where this is happening. There's no need to worry right now. I see your frustration. I see where you're coming from. There's 156 games left. We're going to get 28, 27, whatever number starts of for Garrett Cole, for him to get his command in check. I don't, there's no need to panic yet. If this is happening in the postseason where what we saw last postseason is happening, yes, I would be worried because, like you said, we're paying him to be the ace and that's not ace material. But this simply looks like a pitcher who only had two weeks worth of spring training is trying to figure out what works Also, keep in mind, he's using a brand new technology that he's trying to figure out the kinks with. And that's what, to me, it looked like in opening day, why he looked so much slower compared to his other starts, trying to use the new, instead of the anti-sign stealing, I don't even know, the pitch com, whatever they're calling it, trying to get on the same page with Kyle Higashioka, because that's the first time they've ever used it aside from spring training, but it's the first time in real games that they're using it. So they're trying to work out the kinks, trying to see what works, what doesn't work, what they could bring back from last year and what they shouldn't focus on as much. So I really don't want to worry about this just yet. Wait till, wait till June before we even have this conversation again. All right, fair enough. I'll give it, I'll give it to my birthday, late June. Perfect. And, and wait, till Stevie, wait till Stevie turns the big 22 and then he'll have another rant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but what was I going to say? Uh, no, you got fair points. Uh, I am over. I mean, I overreact sometimes a little too much. I worry Everything. a lot. I worry a lot. So, you know, it, it's just my natural. I just want to tell you, my well, save, your, save your rant. We're going to need it for later on the show when we talk some hoops because I'm going to need that Stevie energy when we talk the Bulls. Got it? Trust me, this energy is not going anywhere. Perfect. TJ, lighten the mood a bit because you're smiling. There is still... Stuff to smile about with the Yankees. Let's 
like I said, Aaron Judge, he did not resign. A lot of fans are worried. But he's still committed for this year. Are you worried that long term he won't be a Yankee or are you not so worried? I'm not worried about long term not being a Yankee. I'm more like the only thing I'm concerned with with Aaron Judge this season is consistency and staying healthy, especially because he didn't come to that agreement before before opening day, which it was a very fair offer. I, I do have to say, I don't remember what it was, but it was a very fair offer. And just, I just know he's locked in. He wants to be a Yankee and he needs to, he needs to keep up being consistent. He needs to get his bat going much more than it already is. I'm not, I'm not concerned about his bat right now, but like my big thing with him is his health. He's been, that's, that's my big worry with him is his health. He's been very inconsistent with his health. The last couple seasons, he's missed extended periods of time when the Yankees really needed them the most. And I, I kind of want to go back to last season just a little bit, just talking about that whole like next man up mentality. That was because they were down so many guys for so long, whether it was the training staff, whatever it was, I, I don't know, but injuries were a big thing last year. And I know coming into this year and even more so now, Aaron Judge doesn't have the extension, but he's locked in, like I said. And I'll repeat it again. It's, he needs to stay healthy. That's it. Going back, I'm glad you brought up last year as an example and past years because what I see with this Yankee team, the way it's built, Stevie might want to rant and argue about the way the Yankees are built. I think it's really good right now. Yes, that might mean we have to see Aaron Hicks more than we'd like to, and I'm not as happy as the next guy. But that also means that guys like Judge and Stanton and Gallo and Rizzo and LeMahieu are going to be getting more days off, which might suck in the moment, but in the long run, that'll prevent more injuries. It seems like in past years, the Yankees haven't capitalized on using their depth. They've only used their depth when they needed to because of guys being hurt. But it seems like early on, and I don't want to give him the credit, but I, I have to, Aaron Boone is doing a good job mixing up rotations in the lineups to allow guys to be playing every day. Glaber might have been frustrated that he sat opening day, but he's played every game since. LeMay, who's gotten rest. Stanton's gotten rest. Rizzo's gotten rest. Donaldson's gotten rest. Connor Falefa's getting rest. They've already swapped catchers a few games already. So he's keeping guys fresh by utilizing their bench. And once May 1st comes and the rosters go down, they're going to have to also add another hitter because you can only have a certain amount of pitchers and a certain number of hitters. And the Yankees only have, right now they have less than, that, than the uh, amount. So that'll just further improve their depth, which I think will be huge. And it'll be good to continue to mix and match, keep guys like Stan and Judge fresh for the later months in the season and hoping they could avoid a serious injury by doing that. Yeah, and I have to agree. I, I love what Aaron Boone's doing because we didn't see this a lot last year. And like you had mentioned, he only went to his depth when their backs were against the wall. I love that he's switching lineups almost every game at this point, giving guys rest, giving guys more playing time, like this and that. And the thing, I, I, I love that you disagreed with Stevie on everything because I did too. That's why I was smiling so much. Because like I, I wanted 
because he 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 threw my guy Jamo under the bus, and I just wanted to put out like he went five strong innings, gave up a long ball, but that was it. No walks and six strikeouts. My defense, I was just thinking, and he didn't talk about Nasty Nestor's brilliant outing. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant, and I I was I was texting you guys about it too. Nasty Nestor is still in fact nasty, and like he he is one of our better pitchers right now. It's still early, but it's great to see that he came out without batting an eye to an offseason. He looks just like he got off the mound last year. Stevie was talking about how dominant the Blue Jays lineup is. He shut them out. And now Stevie is shut out because he's silent. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I wanted to go back on that point you made earlier about Vladdy's second home run. That ball was inside off the plate. Vladdy got every bit of it and launched it out of the park. He's just that good of a hitter. Like I, like I, the only thing I want to say about Garrett Cole, he's just making excuses at this point. I don't want excuses. I want results. That that part frustrates me. Using things as an excuse needs to go away, especially in New York. That's just not going to slide. Yeah, it, own up, own up that he had a bad he had a bad outing and he could improve on it, which is true. We all know that's true. We've seen better see outings. You see every other starter and every even relievers. I had a bad outing. Al- I know I can do better. Alec Bohm. Garrett, Garrett Cole is the only one that makes excuses. Alec yeah. Bohm owned up to saying he hated this effing place when referring to Philly, which he's a, he plays for. He owned up to that. I mean, to be fair, he's not wrong, though. And then they gave him a standing ovation the day after. So, yeah. so but I'm saying if a guy can own up to saying that he can hates playing the place that he plays in, you know, as a member of the team, I think Garrett Cole should own up to saying, like, I don't have my stuff right now. You know, it's going to change. But at least own up to it instead of, well, Billy Crystal's opening uh, pitch, first pitch ceremony took longer than expected. Like, come on, dude. That's just, that's just unexcusable. And talking about like the two, like the O2 or two strike, uh, they play the Imperial March from Star Wars. He was complaining about that too. It's like, dude, come on. It's a stadium. This happens. There are effects. Exactly. There's going to be crowd noises. There are going to be, uh, you know, sound effects coming from the and audio especially, stuff. especially in a place like New York, that we kind of all been hinting at. That's the one way to get your, the media off your back. Own up to it and then produce. And then there's no story to it too. You know, there's exactly. More, there's more story now to, oh, he's using excuses and what excuses you know, next time instead of just owning up. Saying, like he, he's just giving the media what examples and, and points to, to just beat on his reputation. Yep. I like, totally agree. He's just feeding the media. And that's one thing you can't do as a professional athlete, let alone in one of the biggest markets in the world in New York sports. Agreed. Before we move on, talking some playoffs, I do want to get you guys' opinions on some personal awards. Next week, we'll dive into some team awards and who'll go far and whatnot. But, Stevie, I want to start with you. MVP, LMVP, who you got? Vlad Guerrero Jr. He, to be honest, not that he shouldn't have gotten it last year, but you gave Shohei his thing for pitching and hitting. Okay. But you can't give it every year because of that. Vlad, if he keeps up this pace, 
I mean, this dude is on another level and he is one of the best players in not only in the American League and the MLB total, and he's super young. So give it to Vladdy. Follow-up question. Do you think he's on pace to be better than his father? I mean, listen, Vlad Sr. was a great or phenomenal player. It, 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 I don't know. It's tough. I'm plus, I didn't really watch Vlad Sr. all that much. I mean, I watched some of his later years, while, which he obviously wasn't the same. Um, so I don't know. It, it's kind of tough to call on that, but I will, I'll, I'll leave it with this. If he keeps up this pace, he'd be a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. That's fair. DJ, I don't want to say the same thing, so give me your Cy Young opinion. AL. I was going to say AL or NL. Ooh. I was very impressed with uh, – it was Alec Manoa. Yeah, Manoa. The kid who just made his debut against the Yankees. I, th- I think was his debut. Um, oh no, no, no! He was on the team. He was on the team last year. Okay, okay. Well, he, his season debut. He got his season de- his season debut on the mound against the Yankees and shut him out. Yeah, he looked dominant. A very impressive outing. If he can keep that up, he I'm gonna I'm gonna keep tabs on him, and I'll I'll report back week to week how he's doing because he he caught my eye really fast and really early on. And he's one of those young guys that you really want to root for. So I'm going to give my uh, dark horse for Cy Young and then we'll move on. I'm going Shohei Otani. I think you look at who the AL has. You got Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber. Verlander's getting up there and is up there in age. Boston has no pitching. Manoa's solid. Well, Eovaldi can be good when he wants to be. But how many of those guys, realistically, would you put ahead of Shohei Otani, pitching-wise? Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, maybe. Chicago lost all their good pitchers, all their aces. So I I think Shohei Otani is going to be my pick for uh, AL Cy Young. Next week, we'll, uh, we'll dive into some NL awards as well as team awards just to keep you guys on the edge of your seat and make you wait a little longer for what ridiculous uh, take Steve's going to give next. Oh, Speaking of which, Stevie. Yeah. Your boys, they're in the playoffs. It, it, it feels good to actually have a team in the playoffs, especially a Chicago team. I know um, it's been a, been a while. The Bulls, yeah. it's been a few years since they've been in the playoffs, and things got a little uh, interesting towards the end of the season as they dropped – and dropped and dropped down the Eastern Conference. It looked a little worrisome at the end, looking like they might end up in the play-in, but no, they're in fact the sixth seed playing against the three-seed Milwaukee Bucks. Probably not the most ideal matchup for you, but it's a nice little revenge series for Alex Caruso, so who knows? He might play even harder when he's lined up next to Grayson Allen. There might be a boxing match that breaks out mid, uh, mid-game, but... Look, everyone is counting the Bulls out. You might even be counting the Bulls out. But what do you just want to see from this team to get the most out of and to say, you know what, this season was not a failure. This was a very, very good season, and we continue to build off this. I I want them to match the energy of the fans. I I want to see good energy in that they – 
they don't take this for granted that they're like, you know, that they realize like, wow, not only are we in the playoffs, we're playing in United center during the playoffs. Like this is, we're back to bolts basketball. Um, Cause it, it hasn't been the same for the past couple of years. I mean, the United center has been empty. The bulls haven't been competitive, but now there's been no hype around them, but now there is that hype. Now there is, Fans are excited. They're they're uh, sold out crowds, and they travel very well. I will admit, bull fans are one of the best in in the league in terms of traveling. Exactly. So you know, in Milwaukee, it's going to be mixed. It's going to be a, a lot of Bulls fans there too. Um, so the last stretch of the season was not fun at all. Um, you know, it, it sucked that when Lonzo was declared out for the year, that was tough. Um, you know, and the guy like, like Levine, you know, he's, he's injured. He's not hundred percent healthy. He won't be probably for the rest of the year. Um, but it's not enough to keep him out. And I respect him for that. You know, DeMar has been carrying that team on his back for a majority of the season. So you got to think, and he's not 23 years old anymore. He's 32. So you got to think like, you know, he's getting a little exhausted. It's the end of the season and the what you know what he's been doing and the role he's had on that team like you know it, it's been tough on him i can imagine even though he's not showing it um but i'm excited to just see what they can do um like you said a lot of people counting them out i myself listen i'm not counting them out i'm just not expecting much i'm not going in saying you know a couple months ago i was saying i think we can win a series in this playoffs and then the way we played against the top teams in the East, I now retract that statement. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a tough series against the Bucs. We're the defending champs going against Giannis, one of the best players in the NBA. Um, but really, it didn't matter if we were playing the Heat in the play, you know, if we were in the playing uh, tournament and got the eight seed playing the Heat or playing the Sixers or playing the Bucs or playing the Celtics. I mean, each top t- the nets even you know i mean granted if we were a higher seed if we finished higher like we just haven't p- been playing the better teams well you know we beat up on the teams that haven't made the playoffs which i would hope um so I- i'm just hoping that they they put a good showing out i hope that they don't just get smacked every game and in four games you know that's it um kind of sorry castle sorry to derek my buddy derek Sorry to my brother, but like the Knicks showing against the Hawks last year, where besides that one game, besides game one, where it's close and besides that uh, game two, which they won, like they really didn't show out too good, or at least they didn't show out the whole game. And then before you know it, it was a five game series and, you know, New York got sent packing home. So. Yeah. So the Bulls are went two and 20 against playoff teams this past season. That's so. If you're making a prediction right now, you're saying it's over in five. I would say, I'd say the Bulls, the Bulls have to at least snag one game. So I, I would say five, maybe for lucky six, and that's it. I don't see it going to seven. Okay, that's fair. You know, that's my honest opinion. I'm a Bulls fan. Obviously, I would love to see them sweep the Bucks, but you know, I'm not just gonna like pick the Bulls to win the series or pick it to game seven because I'm a Bulls fan. I'm just, from what I'm seeing from those numbers, 
they they don't have it against the top teams. And that's just nothing you can do about it. And listen, it's playoffs. Anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. The good thing is Pat Williams is back, which is massive for your defense. And did you see the last game of the season? Granted, all the stars are out. Yeah. 35 35 points. 35 points. I, I saw that, which is a huge... Which is huge because there was a lot, there was a big knock on him that he couldn't score. He was just a defender. For him to drop 35 when he needed to. And he had no other options. Pretty much everyone, all the starters were out. So there was a lot of attention on him and he still did it. So if he could, if he could score in the playoffs, that could be really big for this Bulls team because you expect Giannis to go off. You could limit how Middleton and Holiday do. Contain Bobby Portis, but you have Vucevic, and I, I do like Vucevic as a center, as long as he doesn't take stupid shots. Just stick to the basics. I do like the Bulls being competitive. I'm not saying they're going to win the series. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I could see. I, I'm saying that they could stick to the basics. You know what you're going to get from DeMar. Levine has shown that he's capable of dropping 30, 40 points on any given night. Io Desumnu is a very young, talented guard, and he might be the fastest guy on the court. So if he could get out in transition, steal the ball, and run down for easy layups and dunks, he could get a quick 15, 16 points in a night. And uh, and the thing, too, is a lot of these guys, which could hurt us or maybe could help us and kind of try to upset the Bucks. A lot of the guys, this is the first time they're in the playoffs. You know, for the young guys, Patrick Williams, it's only his second year. They didn't make the playoffs last year. So, boom. Kobe White, uh, third, uh, is this third season? How about you try a guy named Zach Levine? This is Zach his Levine. first playoffs. Yeah, and he's been in the league for quite a while. Um, and he's, he's gone through some tough times with Minnesota. And then, you know, his first couple years in Chicago. DeMar, and when's the last time? Uh, Toronto. Was Toronto, was with Toronto before they won the finals. Vucevic was in the playoffs with Orlando, but first round exit. Because, um, yeah, DeMar never went with San Antonio, right? No, but you have two guys off the bench who have won rings and Caruso and Tristan Thompson, which definitely helps having have that experience. Well, that's it. So, you know, we have a good, you know, that's why I kind of like to mix. We have guys who have experience who won championships and then guys who haven't made it, but you would hope to be hungry, like, you know, Levine, especially like a guy like him. Now he could put this on his resume that he's been to the playoffs, you know, cause he was going to get paid. But now if he shows that hey, I've been to the playoffs and especially if they can make a deep run, that makes uh, it. Yeah. Look- Making the playoffs. I don't think is a good uh, resume thing. That, that really doesn't mean much. I think but- this is his first playoffs. His motivation should be, you know what? I want to get paid. Making the playoffs isn't good enough. I need to put on a show so I can get paid. And how do I put on a show? And that's fueling my team to upset the defending champs. That's a state. That's a statement. Take the load off DeMar DeRozan, who had been carrying the team on his back for 82 games. He led them to the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, a very tough Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference. So if Levine could say, you know what, DeMar, I'm going to take some pressure off your back, and I'm also going to drop 30 on the defending champs. That's a statement, and that'll look good for Zach Levine's resume. Oh, for sure. Um, and I, I love the fact that, like, you saying, you know, maybe the playoffs itself is not a good resume uh, addition, but what he did in the playoffs. And I think that's for any guy, really. And even DeMar, like, 
he made to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Raptors, and then the next year he gets traded, and then they win. Um, so that's got to have a bitter taste in his mouth, kind of like he want, like obviously every goal, every player's goal is you, you want to get paid and getting taken care of yourself and be set up for life, but you want to win. You want to win. You want to host up the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the year and be called the champion. I mean, that's gotta be one of the greatest, if not the greatest feeling in the world. So um, I'm just, I'm excited. Not only for that, I, I think all across the league, we got some really good matchups that I'm just, you know, excited to watch. And I think this year's, you know, last year's playoffs were, were really good because it was like the first playoff, nor, uh, like it was nor, first normal playoffs back with fans in attendance going crazy. But I think this year's matchups um, and this year's energy and excitement is, and some newer teams, like it's going to make it that much more um, fun and exciting um, and thrilling to be a part of, to watch, whether you watch it from home in a bar, you're there at the arena, like it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun, I'm hoping it'll be a fun playoffs. Like you said, we got some new blood, just talked about your bulls. Look at the Western Conference, the two-seven matchup. You have the young Memphis Grizzlies and the young Minnesota Timberwolves. Neither team has seen the playoffs in God knows how long. The Memphis Grizzlies were in the playoffs last year, but they didn't do anything. Minnesota hasn't been in the playoffs since the early 2000s when they had Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett has been retired and won a championship with Boston in 2008. So, you know, Minnesota, they're still celebrating after that play-in victory. But Thomas Hummel Jr., I'm going to turn to you now because there's a little bit of a, a rivalry. We got oh, yeah. Show now. A little but, bit of a rivalry, huh? A little bit, a little bit. We'll see how the series goes. And that's because my Brooklyn Nets play your Boston Celtics in the first round. A very anticipated rivalry that, honestly, ever since Kyrie left Boston, has fueled the anger in Boston fans even more. Boston being led by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, a bunch of gritty, tough guys who, honestly, they're built for the playoffs. A very defensive-heavy team. They got the right coach in Emi Udoka. We've been talking about him for weeks and weeks and weeks. He might be a household name at this point, and he's just a coach. What do you think Boston needs to do to win this series? Because they're not going up against any ordinary team. They're going up against Kevin Durant, they're going up against Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, maybe Ben Simmons if he plays. So what does Boston need to do to maintain their spot as one of the top dogs in the Eastern Conference? I have one answer for you, and it's the answer I've been giving you the past four, five, six weeks now, and that's defense. If they can, if they can keep that top-ranked defense, into the playoffs, it's going to be a very hard time for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to score. I, I, I know you're frowning, and that's, that's the reality. But then this is the devil's advocate here. If the defense doesn't step up, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to have a fucking field day. Pardon my language, but that's just, that's just how We're it's not a family-friendly show, so it's all good. Yeah, it, it's that's because like, we've, we've seen it. We've seen defenses, not, not, not the Celtics, but like in general, defenses not pressing and not playing aggressive against 
Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and they've been dropping 30, 40, 50 points. And if, you're Kyrie, and if you're Kyrie 60. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I know how scary Kyrie is. I know how scary Kyrie in the playoffs is. But if my, if my team, if they can be up and keep that, that mentality of we're the number one ranked defense right now, it's going to be a very hard time for your Nets, whether it's in Boston or in Brooklyn. And like you're saying with Stevie, Celtics fans travel very well. Yes, they do, which is even more why I want to go to a game this series because I know both Brooklyn, both Boston, both stadiums are going to be rocking. This is a, this is a rivalry. Just like Milwaukee, uh, Chicago, this is a rivalry. The more people who listen to the show know about this rivalry just because it's a New York-Boston sports rivalry. This, is, this might be the playoff matchup to watch. You got star power on both teams. Jason Tatum, I think this is the playoffs where he seals his name as, you know what, I'm that guy. I'm a top five player in this league. I think Jason Tatum has the most to prove in this playoff series on both teams. Kevin Durant is a two-time finals MVP. It'd be great if he wins one with, if, with Brooklyn. I would love that. I'd be ecstatic. Kyrie Irving. One of the clutchest shots in NBA Finals history where he made the three-pointer in Game 7 over Steph Curry. He has his finals moment. Ben Simmons, he came late in the season. He hasn't played yet. Andre Drummond, okay. He, he's a, it's a nice story coming back home. Stevie, your, your boy from UConn, he's back in New York, which is great. But this is Jason Tatum's playoffs to dominate. He dominated the regular season, and he's going to get some – all NBA first team votes. This is his playoffs to show, you know what? I'm that guy. He felt disrespected the last few years and he's played his butt off in the playoffs. He's had some iconic moments when LeBron was in Cleveland where he blocked LeBron trying to dunk on him. And then he, I believe, dunked on LeBron the following possession. One of the most memorable moments in the last few years of basketball. This series will come down to defense your Celtics are a defensive heavy team the problem is elite defense does not necessarily stop Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant from dropping 20 25 30 points double teams don't work against Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving every single time double teams lead to open shooters because when you know math you have two guys on someone, then that means someone's going to be left open. That's where Brooklyn likes to capitalize. Where Brooklyn struggles is on the defensive end, and that's where I'm worried the most. And that's why we keep seeing saying defense matters. We harped on it all of last week. We're going to continue to say it this week because that's how important it is for both teams. Boston, they're without Robert Williams, which is a big loss. They still have Al Horford. They still have Tice. They still have Grant Williams. Still guys who guard the paint and stretch out on the, to the perimeter to guard shooters. Brooklyn does not have that defender. They have Bruce Brown, who's a very good defender. They might have Ben Simmons, who's an elite defender. They have guys who control the paint. Kevin Durant can make stops. He's a good defender. Kyrie Irving can stay in front of the ball, but... No one's stopping Jason Tatum from dropping 20, probably 30 a night. 
Hopefully they could stop a guy like Jalen Brown, but he could probably still score 20 points if he needs to. I think Brooklyn's going to go into this game, this series, thinking if we could get that stop, we know we could outscore them, which is a scary mentality to have, especially going up against a top two. Maybe they might be number one, but I believe they finished the year as the number two defense, number one in the Eastern Conference in terms of points allowed, basically every single defensive category. Last time I checked, they were number one in everything. I had a Golden State at number two in the entire league. Okay. I, I knew they were number one in the East. I wasn't sure if uh, they were behind or ahead of Golden State. Okay. But this series, one way or another, it's going to seven games. The fans are going to get what they want. By the time this next show, we have the next show, the series will still be going on. Unlike, sorry, Stevie's uh, Bulls, that one probably will be over by next show. Hopefully in favor of Stevie's Bulls, but probably not. It would be nice if both were going on at the same time. But again, I understand if it's not because just the way things go, right? At least you have your Yankees to watch, right? Uh, I'm going to just mute myself. Good call. He's learning, TJ. He's learning. At least it's not football season yet. He's got the draft to, to focus on. He's got his – you can look behind him. You see his whiteboard ready with all different guys that the, the, the Bears are going to draft with their first pick in the third round. Yeah, let's see whose career the Bears want to ruin this year. Wow. Wow. I mean, we first of all, we have two second-rounders. Okay, there and, you go. And TJ, that was a little hostile, dude. I mean – TJ came out for – As a giant I, fan, I, I think – say that. Wow. I think I, this is the playoff intensity, TJ. We got my team has been awful the last six, seven years. Your team has made the playoffs recently, more recently than mine. What's your excuse? Um, I'm a Jeff fan. I could talk. I uh, well, my team also overall looking back because then you go a few more years before that, you've had two Super Bowls and which you won, and the Bears have won one total. The last one being, or the only one being in 1985. So we may, we may have made the playoffs of like two out of the past four years, but they weren't, besides that first one against the Eagles, which no comment, but that second one against the Saints, that one we should not have made it. And two, that was just an awful showing. So I don't even like count no, we're it. Not, we're not talking football, Stevie. Oh, I'm not, 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 I got it. Now I'm going. All right. Mute yourself. Go, go focus on Bears. Perfect. This is this is for playoff teams only. Well, I do have a playoff basketball team. For now. Hey, you, same could be said for you. I'm not. I'm not as worried because that it seems like the consensus is at least mine will be in seven games, and we're the we're the underdog, but we were not going to play like it. We're the underdogs. Are you going to play like the underdog? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Anyways, we've been focusing on the East. There's still there's other matchups that we could talk about, like Philly and Toronto, Miami, whoever they play as the eight seed, whoever gets the eight seed. But out west, man, there are some special matchups that people aren't really going to be talking about as much just because it's the other side of the country. Stevie, your boy plays in Memphis, went to Murray State. He's ready to dominate the playoffs and make a statement. He was in the MVP voting for most of the year before he got hurt. 
number 12 out of Murray State. That's John Morant. What are you yep. most excited for? Because he's going up against another very exciting player who I think wants to make just as much as a statement as John Morant. That's Anthony Edwards. That's going to be a hell of a showing. I mean, Anthony Edwards, what he did uh, to bring the Timberwolves, to keep the Timberwolves in that game and then to bring them back in the last couple of minutes in that game, unbelievable, uh, especially with Cat and foul trouble and stuff like that. But John Morant, listen, I saw him play in March Madness when it came to Hartford, and he was a man amongst boys or a semi-man. <laughs> And he's proven in the NBA that he's one of the most dominant players in the league. So what am I looking forward to most? I'm just looking forward to him playing his game, but doing it at the highest level in some of the highest, you know, most meaningful games. Um, I mean, what he's done to that franchise. I mean, listen, they, they had a good streak of when they were making the playoffs and Mike Conley um, and uh, Marcus Saul. Zach Randolph, yeah. Yeah, Zach Randolph. You know, they had they had a little trio there. Um, but they never made it too, too far. Um, they were never a contender for the finals or anything like that. Um, you know, or made it that far to be a contender. So I'm excited to see how far he can bring this team. Uh, the fact that he's brought them this far already. And really, I can't even fully give him the credit because he's been injured for the last little bit of the season. And the rest of the team has been carrying. So shout out to 20, 21 and two without him this year. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, it really is. And it speaks to probably the coaching, the players themselves, the leadership, whether it's Ja or other guys. So you, you just got to root for them and like what's going on there. Um, so I'm looking forward to him just playing this game, doing his thing. But then I want to see if he's really made for the big moment. You know, we saw like a guy like Trey Young get into the playoffs for the first time last year and then take the Hawks all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, and then obviously losing to the Bucs, who were favorites to make it out of the East and win the, thing, uh, win the championship, which they did. Um, so I'm excited to see how far Ja was going to, uh, is going to bring the Grizz in the playoffs um, this year, and I'm looking forward to some flashy plays from him, whether it's a flashy pass, alley-oop, a dunk, layups. I mean – this dude out of at any point out of nowhere can just pull up and do one of the craziest plays you'll ever seen and do it with ease and then drop like 50 points on top of that. So I'm just looking forward to him playing at the end of the day. I, you, I couldn't have put it better myself because John Morant might be the most exciting player in basketball right now with what he's able to do. Best comparison to him is, this is even possible, a more athletic prime Derrick Rose. When Rose was on the Chicago Bulls, it seems like John Morant is a more exciting player because it's also the flashy passing. It's the, he's going to jump over that seven-footer. Derrick Rose was flashy, and he was able to dunk. He was able to finish with crafty layups. But he was never the guy to posterize that seven-footer or behind-the-back passes or chase-down blocks where it looks like he hits his head on the rim. It's ridiculous what John Murray does. But, TJ, I'm going to pass it to you because there's a team in, that I have in mind that I'm very excited to watch in the playoffs. And it's going it's to give me some nostalgia vibes. We've got a healthy Golden State Warriors for the first time all year. 
it was announced today that Curry's going to be good for game one, which means for more than eight seconds, which is the only time those boys played together this year, we're going to see Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green all on the court together. Doesn't get better than that, does it, TJ? No, it, it really doesn't. And and the fact that like they're finally back together, the, the Splash Brothers are reunited. We're going to see them in the playoffs again. It's been, oh, it, it feels like it's been more than just a handful of years since we've seen them. 20, June of 2019 was the last time we saw them. It feels like together. it's so much longer than that. But the thing is, I just hope that playoff Clay shows up and playoff clay the good thing is clay thompson got hot at the right time and see if he could attest to that he had a he had a 40 point game when when yeah 40 point but in the stretch of also like multiple 30 point games and like 25 point games he started the year like when he first came back it was expected he was going to be rusty after missing two and a half years worth of games but he's back, and I'm confident to say he's back. He's playing heavy minutes again. He's guarding the best player on the opposing team. He is ready for this challenge. And then you look at who he's playing against, Stevie. He's playing who everyone thinks is going to be the MVP. That's your boy who you have a hard time saying his name. That's Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. That is, that is a series if I've seen one. It, it could be a really interesting series um, because the Warriors don't have anyone to stop a guy like Jokic. Um, and I think, and then Jamal Murray, I believe, is still out, right? He hasn't come back yet. I, I don't know if they've actually like, un, like ruled him out. Because has he been playing the G? No, he, has, he hasn't played this year. Uh, okay. Michael Porter Jr. was also out for the year. So it's Jokic carrying this team. Yeah, but I think the Warriors are too too many guys. Um, and I'll tell you what, I really like Jordan Poole. That man has been stepping up, and he he's kind of he's taken on the role of kind of carrying the team, especially when Steph went out. That like, and when Clay didn't play the entire first half. Exactly, you know, and he he didn't say like he just said, "All right, let's do it." Um, and he was a leader like that at Michigan. And it, it's carrying on now. Uh, so I, I don't think the Nuggets have what it takes to get past the Warriors. I think Jokic can only do so much, um, but the Warriors just have too many guys. So even if Jokic goes off and he's not stopped, I don't think the Nuggets have enough other guys to stop the rest of the Warriors guys. And I think that's what that's will be the difference of the series. I feel like that's just fitting, though, because – Yes, it might be a, it should be a short series in favor of the Warriors, but I feel like it's going to be very nostalgia like with the Warriors being able to reunite in that kind of series where they're not thrown into the fire right away, like the Celtics Nets matchup or a Philly um, Toronto series or like what the Bulls have to deal with in the East. The Warriors should be able to handle their business fairly quickly. We should be able to see a nice shooting. Uh, display from curry and thompson and a passing display from draymond green it'll be like old time's sake 
I just know Nikola Jokic is going to fall out absolutely uncontrollably with that Denver Nuggets squad. But just think about how crazy that is. Like you have basically two bigs who are going to control that game as point guards. You have Jokic who's going to try to get like 15 assists. Draymond Green, who's going to play their four or their five, who's going to try to top Jokic's 15 assists. And then you have the point guards who are going to try to put on a show scoring-wise. Like It still baffles my mind, the, like the, not only the basketball IQ, but just how like, Jokic can move. Like No man that tall should be able to move that quick and like, just be everywhere all at once. In the paint, out on perimeter blocking shots, getting blocks, no look passes left and right. Like He's just a complete Swiss army knife when it comes to being a big man. And when we think of a big man, it's just someone who can like throw on a, a monster Joel, dunk. Joel Embiid is the big yeah. man that you think someone, of. Someone who you can throw down a monster dunk and can block. It can block somebody and meet him at the rim. You don't. You don't think about the in betweens and all that. And Jokic just exemplifies everything and then some when it comes to the ins and outs of being a big man in the NBA. I think it's fair to call Jokic like instead of a center, he's a point center because he's a point guard. He's a shooting guard. He's a small forward. He's a power forward. And he's a center all in one. He'll play point guard, but he'll also post you up down low. He'll do everything a big does, but he'll also do everything a point guard does. He's got the most important role in the NBA, in my opinion, with what he does and with what the talent he has this year, given his two best guys, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., not playing this series. Jamal Murray, most likely. It's insane to think that this is a playoff team when on paper it looks like a bubble team. Like how we talked about the Grizzlies last week without John Morant. They look like a lottery team without John Morant, but they're a two seed. This, this Nuggets team on paper should be one of those like bubble teams. Oh, yeah. And agreed. And it just puts into perspective just how important Nikola Jokic is to that Denver Nuggets rotation. He obviously had, didn't have the star power, like you said, this year, but he still carried them into the playoffs. And that's just, that's just huge. You really don't see that too often around, like, around this time, and especially with a big man being your front and center piece this whole season. To wrap up the show, I'm going to pose one question, then we'll end it. Start with you, Stephen Bonazzo. And TJ, it's going to be the same question to you. So I'm going to give you some time to think. Which player has the most to prove this playoffs? It could be a star. It could be a coach. It could be anything, really. Who's got the most to prove this playoffs? That's, that's a tough question. He's, wow. Uh, or, or who's under the most pressure? I will say James Harden. Boom. I mean, he, when the Thunder, when he was with the Thunder in the finals and all that, he really wasn't the show guy. You know, it was Katie and Westbrook carrying that team. And then he was coming off the bench. And, um, and obviously he played an important role with them, but he wasn't the guy that everyone was relying on to lead them to victory. Then he, uh, he gets straight to Houston. He instantly makes Houston a contender, one of the top seeds in the West. They never quite get to the finals. They never win anything for a good amount of years. Done. 
Then he gets traded to uh, to Brooklyn, right? He went from Houston to Brooklyn, yep. And supposed to help really make Brooklyn this superior force, this team that no one can mess with, and the Nets lose. Then this year, obviously, wasn't vibing with the Nets. The Nets, uh, you know, who, again, who should have been one of the top seeds in the East, they just were struggling, something like that gets traded to Philly to kind of bolster that team and strengthen that team up who was already a top team and they were kind of struggling or he especially was struggling um especially towards the end of the year so he has the most improved especially philly too philly went from being one of the worst teams in nba history to finally getting you know guys like Embiid, um their top picks trust the process man yeah, well, you know, and a lot of a lot of people did, like Embiid said, and then they to the playoffs, and then they finally were top season playoffs. But they've never been able to get over that hump to get to the finals. Um, and James Harden, same with him. So both, so the team itself and James Harden both haven't been able to get to that point. So that's why I think Harden needs to prove has the most to prove because. If he doesn't, if he has a poor playoff performance, you know, what does that lead with him? Like, is he not, not that he washed up, but like, is he really one of the best players in the I'll league? Put, I'll put, yeah, I'm going to put it in better words for you. Cause this is what you're trying to say. It's a legacy uh, series for him. Yes. Because it, yes, he's going to, he's going to go down as one of the best shooting guards of all time or point guards. One of the best, like, one of the best scorers of all time. One of the best scorers. He'll, he'll go to the hall of fame. No question. But what? Or will he, or will he, but that's a good point because if he crafts the bed, like he's done, it seems like every single playoff series, people are going to be having those second thoughts because for the longest time, he's been that surefire first ballot hall of famer. I thought so when he was a net, but you have two instances where he forced his way out of a team, like you said. And then he doesn't show up for the playoffs. He's a liability on defense, so teams are going to take advantage of, of that. He's going up against a very gritty, tough playoff team in the Toronto Raptors where they're not going to mess around with him. They're going to be throwing bodies at him and playing him very physically, not allowing him to get a second to catch his breath because they're going to be pressing him all game. They're going to allow Joel Embiid to score 30, 40 points. They're going to make a guy like James Harden try to beat them. And if James Harden can score more than 20, 25 points, Philly's not winning that series. So I think, and I'm going to let you finish after, I think that you could also say the blame who's going to share the same amount of pressure as James Harden is Doc Rivers. Because... Doc Rivers has had some really great teams in his career. He's the teams that he's had some of the best in NBA history. You just don't hear about them as much because they haven't done anything. That 2008 Boston team, TJ, you know, because you grew up and I guess Steve, you know, you grew up very close to Boston. That 2008 Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Boston Celtics team was something very special. One of the oh. best one of the best teams that I've seen growing up and they were fun. Watching them beat the Lakers, that, that was a fun team. 
I hated oh. Sachir. I hated them because I'm a Nets fan. They were a fun team. They were dominant everywhere. They were. They were. Uh, I they were also a- miles better than every single team in that in the league then. Oh yeah. Um, they they were the clear favorite to win every single year. But then he goes to the Clippers, has the Lob City Clippers with Paul CP3, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, nothing. Goes to Philly now, first round, uh, conference final exit. Uh, no, semifinal uh, exit last year, losing to the Hawks when they were the one seed before that early exit. Is it done anything with Philly? So that's why I'm saying he shares the same amount of blame as James Harden. I'm going to let you finish, Stevie. That's fair. And sorry for interrupting earlier. No, uh, no, no. You're good. Um, well, one, I mean, I was kind of close, but not really. I'm, I'm close to New York. So, you know, more down my way is, but I, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, but then, um, and I think it really, it dictates. So between the two of them, it dictates what's the future for Philly. If they can't at least even make it to the finals this year, or even, I, I think it's finals or bust. Like if they don't make it to the finals, does not does it get blown up? But like, because then what else are you gonna like? What else could you do? You hired yeah, then, then you got people speculating about the trade, the Ben Simmons trade. Like who won that? Who lost that? Because that's gonna go on forever. Oh yeah, um, but you hired, you know, Embiid. You have one of the best, not only one of the best centers in the league, you have one of the best players in the league. And then you trade for James Harden, who's been one of the best players in the league, one of the best scorers in the league for the past how many years? And then you hired. Doc Rivers is your coach to, and he's been, you know, renowned as one of the best coaches in this time and one of the best coaches ever in the NBA. So like, what else does it take for them to finally to like, just win something to at least win the conference, even if you don't win the finals, cause that's tough to do. So that's my thing. Like if, if they can't even get past the Eastern conference finals or even make it to the Eastern conference finals, then you got like, you got to really rethink, rethink what's going on there because you have a lot of talent and a lot of like proven guys. And if you can't win anything, then I don't know what else it's going to take. Very good points. Very good points. Your first good take all night. That's why you guys pay me the big bucks. Exactly. So the person we actually do pay the big bucks to, and the person who probably takes Stevie's salary, CJ, who do you have now as the person under the most pressure, someone who's got to step up the most? I'm not going to go with a player. I like it. Oh, okay. I'm going with, with Steve Nash. I like that. I respect it a lot. He, he's got a lot to prove this playoff run, especially because like, he's made, he made the playoffs last year, I believe. Yeah, last year was his first year he made the playoffs as three seed. Yep. So – we know, we know going in that defensively he's not the greatest mind. Yeah, double thumbs down from you, I see. And he's had very good teams to coach. Now, what the issue is with it, I don't know. But depending on how this playoff run goes, if the, if the Nets make it past the Celtics, I think he'll be okay. But if they get taken out, hypothetically say they get swept not saying it's going to happen but say they get swept what happens next for steve nash and that brooklyn nets front office 
and yep, you you, you show the guillotine. I w- might be standing outside the offices calling for his head. All right, so there we go. My my point, my point made. There's it's not only as an organization, but he he's he owes a lot to the fans. Like you you are one of the, you were a really good point guard, shooting guard, combo, whatever you were, but now you're a coach and you've coached this incredible Brooklyn Nets team through a bunch of ups and downs, most a lot of downs this, this season, but if they don't make it out of the first round, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an awful look, not only on him as a coach, but maybe just as the, like, as the Nets in general, like, what did they not do to help Steve Nash? That's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. You can, you can take that as you will, but I see you kind of nodding a little bit. So you, you kind of agree with me a little bit here. I definitely do because I've been saying it for weeks now that I haven't really been fully sold on Steve Nash and what he, with some of his schemes, but you also did say that he's been under a lot of, he's had to deal with a lot and probably the most ever a coach has ever had to deal with, with the drama, with the off court stuff. He's had to deal with Kyrie Irving, not being available for half the season, then being a part-timer. Now he's finally full-timer. He had to deal with injuries like every other coach, but he also had to deal with the James Harden wanting out rumors, then James Harden not trying, and then James Harden being traded, getting Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons still hasn't played, and all of these things that it's the most that the that the co- coaches ever had to deal with. The Nets had the most line starting lineups in NBA history with 44 lineups, setting a record which the Nets last year set because of injuries and whatnot. So in his two years, he's had to deal with a lot, which isn't his fault. So it's not fair to say he's under the most pressure over some of the other guys. And I'm going to tell you someone else who I think is under a lot of pressure and is under more pressure than Steve Nash. But I do think Nash is up there. Don't get me wrong. That's Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler on the first place Miami Heat. The first place Miami Heat. He had a great year two years ago when the when the Heat made that improbable finals run, which Stephen Bonazzo may be able to recall that I predicted spot on. And that Heat team is still the same team two years running. You have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson. They brought in other pieces to help them out. You, you move Goran Dragic and upgrade and get Kyle Lowry. You bring in a veteran, Victor Oladipo. You improve the bench. Max Struess is stepping up. You have all these guys. They are the first place team. Jimmy Butler this year, shooting-wise, was horrendous. I believe he was shooting in the 2020s percent from, from three-point. Jimmy Butler is known to dominate the mid-range. And he had some really, really bad shooting games. I don't know what it was this year, but if that's the Jimmy Butler we're going to get in the postseason, then I am very concerned. Because Jimmy Butler, 
is seen as one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's one of the best leader, well, not best leaders, one of the best talents, both best two-way guys because he's an elite defender. He'll lock down anyone. But if that's the Jimmy Butler that we saw in the regular season, the Miami Heat are going to be a very early exit this postseason because I'm very concerned. The Heat had to win games this year because of guys like Tyler Hero stepping up off the bench and those type of guys, not because of their starters, but because of their bench. So I'm very worried if I'm the Miami Heat. And that's not on Eric Spolstra because Spolstra can't make guys, his best players score. He's drawn up good schemes, and he's got a very, very good defensive team. But if Jimmy Butler is going to shoot 5 of 19 from the field and shoot 23% from three-point, which I, I knew it was in the 20s, so thank you, TJ, for that. If that's how he's going to shoot in the postseason, it's going to be a very early exit for the Miami Heat and another disappointing season following last year's disappointment. So that is my take. I'm hoping the Steve Nash one becomes false because I'm really hoping that uh, I won't have to be that upset. But it is very valid, TJ. He, Steve Nash was definitely up there in consideration for me. And I'm glad Stevie said Harden because, you know, it's well-deserved. Why don't you say Jimmy? Because if I didn't go with Steve Nash, I was going to say Jimmy Butler. I think a lot of people would have Jimmy Butler. He's not being talked about as much because it seems like he's kind of fallen out of that superstar category in recent years, which we know he's capable of being that superstar. And if he's already fallen out, that's got to be worrisome. So that'll wrap up this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Quick shout out to TJ. Once again, stepping up for Alex, becoming a normal in the rotation these days. Make sure you check out our Instagram at the 3P Podcast. He's posting good stuff daily. If you got any requests for TJ to post, feel free to DM us at 3P Podcast. He might check it. He may not. We'll see. You'll have to DM for, uh, to stay tuned for that. Our- I, I will answer your DMs. I, I'm very open to any content, anything you want to see as, as viewers and listeners. Uh, like Josh said, DM at the Three P Podcast. I will answer. You can always DM me. N- no, please don't. Okay, it's worth a shot. Good try, Stevie. Try somewhere else. This isn't Tinder, buddy. You don't shoot your shot here. You're right. Gotta know the place and time. Another shout out, Kevin from Wild Chat Sports. Great partner of ours. They got some great content. Make sure you check them out at Wild Chat Sports. He's posting out uh, good content daily, podcasts, blogs, you name it. Kevin's doing a great job holding it down over there. Our uh, spot, our uh, our partners, we've got OP Sports Betting, a crypto sports betting site that's set to launch in the coming weeks now. We're very excited to partner with them. I believe they are the first crypto sports betting website, which is really unique and exciting that we get to be partners with them crypto as you might know is huge right now with nfts and whatnot we're still trying to learn more about it but we got some great friends over at op sports betting that are teaching us and helping us learn and grow and uh and liberty shirts 
Liberty Shirt Co. They're they got great shirts. Stevie might get a shirt at some point, but probably not because of his size. So hopefully, uh, you guys will check them out at Liberty Shirt Co. Got some great button downs, nice fabrics to check out. So thank you all for listening and stay tuned for uh, next week's episode.